Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. words. All right, so today <laughs> we are talking about Thor Ragnarok. I never know how to say that. Is that right, I Ragnarok? I think it's Ragnarok, yeah. Ragnarok, okay. Which is the third in the Thor movies. Um, and so it doesn't exactly stand alone. Like, really, you should yeah. watch these in order. You will get the characters and understand where they're coming from much better that way. But there's just a lot of fun things in this movie. And so we thought we would dig into it a little more particularly. Yeah. Do you want to start Absolutely. <laughs> Do you mind if I actually just give us a setup for the characters? Yeah, that's a I good think... idea. Yep. Great. So basically in Thor, we get the original Thor. We get an intro of them as kids, Thor and Loki, two brothers, both basically like holding hands with Odin and Odin saying, one of you will be on the throne. Yeah. And one, I'm like, that's yes. Odin. No. Horrible parenting. <laughs> putting your parents against your child. There's a lot of that in the Marvel universe, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. And Odin Really, he needs parenting lessons in general. Like, he <laughs> makes a lot of mistakes. But that really, like, leads to, we then see, so we see them as kids, which I think, again, key. we had this conversation with uh, Candice Gaminet about um, her book, Unbetrothed. Yeah. And she was talking about setting up an unlikable character. And this is actually setting up someone who plays a villain in most yeah. of these films. But we see him as a kid, and we see him so... He is so like keen to be noticed yes, and, eager and, yeah. and soft. And mm -hmm. there's, there's something that I think through that allows you to connect with him and hope for something different for yes. his future. Yes. I mean, in that film, we really see Thor wanting the glory of being king. Mm -hmm. Loki wants to be seen. He wants yeah. to be an equal, but he goes all the wrong ways of doing yeah. it. Like, <laughs> He's totally just like this kid who's like, no, it is me, but he does yes. terrible, horrible things and, and tries to kill, you know, destroy the earth while he's doing it. Right. I think, one, this was done by a Shakespearean director, Kenneth Branagh, and that's the point. It's over the top. It's, you know, mm -hmm. Shakespeare, we get all of this extraness. <laughs> but also like we see their identities be stripped away at the end yeah. thor is basically you know he's in love with a human yeah. he's you know kind of questioning whether he wants to be king questioning where yeah. his place is and at the end loki is basically thrown out of asgard he kind of falls but kind of is exiled a yeah. little bit like we can talk about semantics but their identities are stripped away basically everything that they had wanted and tried to do is kind of just stripped away from there there's no longer that we can get this so they go off to other pursuits yeah. Loki to lead a violent <laughs> army into Midgard to try to take a throne which was a yeah. very stupid stupid choice we knew that he'd never succeed and then Thor to kind of stop him mm -hmm. and that's the Avengers it's a lot of back and forth basically Loki gets into this cycle over and over and over again uh, yeah. with Thor of basically they almost like reach some form of thing but then he stabs him like yeah. we get that so many times <laughs> and that it's funny because it's going to come into a lot of play but he's stuck in this cycle of yeah. he wants to be noticed by his father he if 
that means being on the throne and ruling people and everyone looking, you know, yeah. up to him, then that's what he's going to do. And then after Avengers, when he fails, because it was inevitable, yeah. he's taken back and put into prison and officially kind of left out of everyone's view, including mm-hmm. his mother, yeah. adopted mother, but still his mother, Frigga. So he's basically at this point where he is stuck, stuck in this cycle, stuck in like not being able to break free of it. Thor is really questioning of what do I want to do? And there's lots of back and forth of the question of the throne. Mm -hmm. And at the end, we kind of come to Thor ends up saying, you know, I'd rather be a good man than a great king. Loki through subterfuge, he goes through some personal kind of trying to check in with himself, but really he just ends up going and repeating the cycle again. He pretends he sacrifices himself in a pretend way. Yes. Um, which does save the day, but then he goes and overthrows Odin. <laughs> so coming into Thor Ragnarok, we have Loki in an Odin disguise on the throne. Yeah. We have Thor, who's kind of still trying to figure out his path. He's out adventuring and exploring, but he's still like not really settled. So they've gotten what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Really thought they wanted. Yeah. yeah. But it's not it's not what they need. Yeah. So Thor Ragnarok gets to basically explore that. What is it that they need and what is the hardest things that we can do to them in a story? Yeah. Which I think is a great I, I don't know what their plans are for this, but when I think yeah. of that, like giving your character what they want and not what they need, it, it makes me think of the midpoint and like this kind of okay here you go and then yep. seeing what what happens <laughs> um, and it can lead to some really interesting outcomes clearly <laughs> it absolutely can and i think when we see them especially loki we kind of see how empty it is like yes. he's watching a, a play that's like the yes. tragedy of loki and he has these huge statues to himself even though he's pretending to be odin yes. and there's just something so empty and shallow about it yeah. like we've learned before it that the the world is starting to kind of fall into ruin yeah. heimdall who usually protects the bifrost isn't there he's been kicked out so he's not a very good leader like you totally get that from the beginning that all he wants to do is kind of eat grapes and like yeah have him have people notice him yeah Yeah. and and I think that really explores then okay what is that wound in him yeah and why does he keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again like why is he just stuck in this spiral yeah and it's in some ways, Thor doesn't seem to grow as much either. Yes, he no longer wants the throne, but right. he's kind of still floating out there after he broke up with Jane. A there's, yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of kind of a bit of wanderlust that doesn't have a lot of meaning, um, yeah. which I must say that the opening, though, of Thor Ragnarok, when he's talking to the the creature who's going to be the like deliverer of Ragnarok and the destruction of the world, it does such a great job of kind of showing that that yes, he's doing things, but 
it's not that fulfilling place. He's kind of left what he should be doing of paying attention to what's going on within his own home. He's kind of left that by the wayside. Absolutely. Well, and I think one, if we talk about tone between all of these films. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok is such a different tone. Yeah. Thor one is that Shakespearean kind of classic and then shifting into a Western when it's on Midgard. Really, Thor 2 is my least favorite of the Marvel films. And there's several reasons why. It has a tone of a grim fantasy. Yeah, um, it's darker with, for sure. It has this yeah. like, yeah. But it has a villain that you don't know why this person is doing what they're doing. Like beyond mm. that they want to bring darkness to the realms. Like yeah. we see that character a lot and we don't get past that. We don't get to the meat of who he is. That's and I point. think that that makes it, difficult to kind of really connect it feels a little bit forgettable of them absolutely yeah absolutely but then Ragnarok comes and it has a definite feel um Taika Waititi who is the director is one of my favorites actually um if you've not seen Jojo Rabbit or Hunt for the Wilder People I'd highly recommend them both (laughs) um he is able to kind of mix this emotional connection to a story Mm. with a lot of aesthetics and Mm, kind of a very particular feel and sound and like it just it has this ridiculous over-the-topness but that feels right within the world and what he did with the story itself is he had the characters since they'd been playing most of them had been playing their characters for so long yeah like the characters of um bruce uh banner the hulk yeah and thor and loki when they're in that tete-a-tete kind of talking yeah, between each uh-huh. other a lot of that's improv between oh, really? the actual actors yeah interesting um in in fact a lot of the funny moments that are in there like the yeah, there's um, a lot of humor in this one <laughs> You almost have to, like, yeah, because when we get to Hella, sure, you have to counterbalance that somehow. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, Hella's willing to burn it all down. Like, she is, she is over it. She's the Mm -hmm. goddess of death, and she's here to deal it out. And if someone doesn't get in line, she's just going to kill him and go on to the next one. She is kind of that ultimate villain, and yet she doesn't. She's one that you actually still understand. Like, you kind of still get how she got there and you're like oh yeah okay (laughs) well and it's interesting because it's like you get those children into a room and you're like oh yeah I can see how (laughs) Odin would do that like their traumatic childhood playing out but but I think that being rejected being like she says at one point that she just went a little too far for Odin like he, he was mm-hmm. fine with nine rounds and she wanted more. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a character, we kind of get a lot of personality by how she's talking with other people. Yeah. And even who she thought the people of Asgard would think her to be, how yeah. she would be revered, that they would be happy to see her. <laughs> she kind of, she hasn't, lived in that world for so long that of course she's going to be out of step I mean that plays out in very grim ways yeah I think there's something like very human and relatable with that yeah um and even with having kind of 
power stripped away. Um, I, I think that's relatable too. And yeah, she is over the top. She's all, she's like a, that like Shakespearean. The best way, I don't know. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> she has a giant wolf. And yes. Again, the director was like, yeah. So we just kind of just sat down and we're like, we want this to look like a Queen album. And we're going <laughs> to throw all these things in. But he cares about story. Like, yes, yes the aesthetics are, they're there. Yeah. They, you know, we get... I come from the land of the ice and snow, that song playing. And ah. I love it though, because it has a story behind it. And really, this story is the grappling of the brothers. It's the can we break this cycle? And mm. even the end of Odin, it leaves it on a kind of question mark. Yeah. It just kind of disappears away. There's not like this amazing moment except for he finally sees them both like he sees them both he calls them his sons and then it's on them for what they decide to do with that like where they decide to go well and you're right like this is like this story is over the top and some of the visuals are over the top and all of that but it does pay so much attention to the characters and to their arcs you know like because we do see Thor so aimless at the beginning and then we see him really like find his place in leadership yeah. by the end and like so those arcs are so pronounced still and even Loki like you see a lot of change in him I think in this movie um or at least Absolutely. change that you hope is real yeah. <laughs> like we never quite know with Loki but <laughs> what I love about that though is they actually were saying that they have two outside characters that serve as who these characters could be so um, Thor's is Valkyrie Valkyrie cared so much and lost so much that she's now drinking her life away, not caring about anything. And then you have the grandmaster who loves himself so much that he's like, you know, monuments and shrines to himself. And he's on those huge projectors. And that's where Loki could be. Like Mm. we see what they're, if they don't change their paths, where could they go? Yeah. And I think they're going back and forth with that. There's a point where um, Thor says in it, I choose to run towards my problems and not away from them because that's what heroes do. And I think there's something about that that we finally get this leaning into the things mm. that are hard. Yeah. That maybe he's going to show up and maybe they're just going to be decimated. Like, but he decides to go forward anyways and there's this moment in the elevator with him and Loki that's it's a beautiful scene I kind of like watch it over and over again to see what exactly they did yeah but he's he's basically saying like he gives Loki a place being his brother again like he Mm. looks back and he says you know I just wanted us to be there together and doing this together and then they do the get help and Loki Loki of course betrays them because he has to yeah I think Loki's final betrayal has to fail Mm -hmm. for him to see that that is what he's going to do for the rest of his life like Mm -hmm. literally if he does not grow if he does not become something different He's just going to do that over and over and over and over again. Just be stabbing people in the back over and over and over again. I love that Thor gets that that's what he's going to do. 
Yeah. And for the first time he outthinks him, which, <laughs> yeah. but I don't think he does it to, to put him in his place mm. or to push him away. I think he does it to say, couldn't we be different? Like, right. couldn't we be something else if we broke free of that? To me, it feels like that's the push that he needs. Like yeah. Loki needs to show up and be that your savior has arrived. <laughs> and he, he knows he's probably going to die, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of for Loki, like him actually showing up in the flesh yeah. and being ready to do that. Even if it's so that he gets all the glory of being the savior, <laughs> it's a, it's progress. Yes. Really. yes. It's like movement in the right direction. For sure. And I know that we shouldn't go down too far down this path, but do you mind if we talk about the end result then in Endgame or Infinity War of where Loki yeah, gets yeah. to? Because I think I think it's important to see then if if this movie shows at his end point him doing the right things for the wrong reasons, I think Infinity War and where that opening scene leaves him shows him doing the right things for the right reasons. Hmm. There's this moment where he looks at Thor and he says, um, uh, basically the sun will shine on us again, brother. Hmm. And even just acknowledging Thor in that way, there's a lot of sacrificial things he does in that moment. One, he gives up the Tesseract, which old Loki would never (laughs) give that up. Like he would hold on to that and hoard it I just think that like showing that progression of Mm. in order to save Thor, he's willing to give that up. Yeah. And then he looks at him at at a point before he tries to stop Thanos, which, you know, he knows it's a ditch effort. He knows that it's a suicide mission that he says Odin's son. And I just think there's something, Mm -hmm. this beautiful reconnecting back with, acknowledging the family that he's basically disconnected from that's kind of this beautiful connection and when he dies because we assume that it's that one's the ultimate death of the character at least that version of the character Mm -hmm. it has all that weight behind it you have all of that connection to who he has become even if it's recent We have all that connection to it and how profound the differences in that scene are to who he's been before. For sure. Okay, I'm going to wrap us up. (laughs) Takeaways. Try out giving your characters what they think they want and see what happens and play with the contrast of what they think they want with what they actually need. And I think the other thing that really stands out to me in this is that idea of... um, showing your your audience the path that they could end up on um, yeah. and and using contrast effectively you know to like yeah. kind of show where someone is and where they could be and all of that and playing with family dynamics because yeah. <laughs> this is a really great example of that like if you have this character this parental character Odin who acts this way how might different personalities and different people respond to that father figure? Because you really see that come out in this. And like all three of these children have very strong family wounds. And yet they respond to those family wounds in very 
wounds in very different ways, <laughs> um, which I think is fascinating. Absolutely. So if you are interested in this story in particular, and these characters in particular, we are going to dive in more detail to Loki coming up soon. So there will be the TV series. Yes, the TV series. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, we're going to do a $5 writing class on Loki, the TV series, and kind of dive into his character and where that has been going and might go in the future and all of that. So we are very excited about that and just looking at the different story elements and what we can learn from that show. And we would love for you to join us. You can find more information on Instagram and keep reading and watching things and trying things out and absorbing all the stories and keep writing and um, putting your own work out into the world. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.